Hi, welcome to the My Breast, My Health podcast. My name is Tasha Gandhi-Bihaja and I'm a breast cancer surgeon with over a decade's worth of experience. I created this podcast as a place where those who have been affected by breast cancer can connect with each other, share experiences and learn from each other's life stories. I will also have conversations with experts in the field of medicine as well as the health and wellness space. So if you want to learn more about this topic, then this is the place to be. The aim of this podcast is simple, to create a community where everyone feels empowered to help each other and support one another. This is because I truly believe that together we are stronger. I'm really happy to spend this time with you. So let's start build a community. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm talking to Juliet Fitzpatrick. Juliet was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 54 in 2016. Since then, she has worked tirelessly as an advocate for those who choose to go flat. In other words, those who choose to have a simple mastectomy without having a reconstruction. And this was born out of her own experience of when she was taken through her surgical treatment options and going flat was not particularly discussed. Her advocacy work has meant that photos of her flat chest has been shown all over the world on billboards as well as adverts. Most importantly, she describes how her decision to go flat gave her a sense of empowerment. We recorded this remotely, of course, due to the lockdown, and we did have some unsuspected guests making an appearance onto the show, and you'll definitely hear them as well. It was a great conversation and one that I am sure you will enjoy. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Juliet Fitzpatrick. Hi, Juliet. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, thank you for agreeing to come onto the show. I uh, I wanted for you to come onto the show, actually, because you are and you've been for some time now a passionate advocate about going flat. In other words, for those who need a mastectomy as part of their breast cancer treatment, um, you, uh, you're an advocate uh, for those women to choose going flat um, as an option. And I think this is yeah. something that's quite important to talk about because there is perhaps a conception out there that women need to have a reconstruction, whereas in fact, they don't need to have a reconstruction if they don't want to. Yeah. Can you tell me about your diagnosis of breast cancer in the first instance? Yes. Yeah, so I was diagnosed uh, in January 2016. Uh, it was actually followed my second routine mammogram I hadn't seen any signs. I hadn't felt any lumps. No, I hadn't seen anything suspicious. So it was a, quite a shock to me to get called back uh, to, you know, to have further tests. After I'd had the further tests, I was then diagnosed with um, invasive ductal carcinoma in my left breast. And at the time, my surgeon uh, thought that I could have a lumpectomy followed by radiotherapy. Right. So that, you know, it was a massive shock. I'm not going to lie about sure. that. And the treatment seemed doable, I suppose. It was okay. This will get done and then I'll, I'll be fine. So I had the lumpectomy in February. And un unfortunately, the surgeon couldn't get clear margins when he finished the lumpectomy. So I um, had to have uh, a mastectomy, basically because the tumour was much more spread around my breast right. um, than, than, than was expected. So at that point, I was told I had to have a, a mastectomy and also that I would have to have chemotherapy because my the pathology of my tumour, uh, it turned out that it was HER2 positive. 
uh, as well, right. as well as being estrogen and progesterone positive. At that point, I was totally shocked and <laughs> traumatized yeah. um, because the thought of having a mastectomy and chemotherapy, it just got seemed to have got a lot more difficult uh, for me. So, yeah. And um, when they talked to you about a mastectomy, obviously that, you know, at the beginning that wasn't really discussed because, of course, the aim at the beginning was for you to have a lumpectomy with the hope that the cancer would be able to be removed at that sitting. Yes. That's oh, right. what? Shall I shut no, it up? No, that's fine. Well, uh, what, <laughs> what dog have you got? I've got two whippets. I love whippets. Well, you know, yeah. this is real time. So, you know. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what, are they, what are their names? Uh, one's called Sydney. Yeah. And the other one, who's the barker, is called Stanley. Oh, hi, Sydney. Hi, Stanley. Oh, they're yeah, so they're cute. Both ten. Ten. So, yes, they are. Yeah. Oh, lovely. They're good boys. Oh no, that's fine. It's it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, just going back. So you you were hoping, obviously, that the lumpectomy would be enough, and not having to yes. have a mastectomy. And um, when they when when your surgeon recommended you to have the mastectomy, mm-hmm. what kind of conversations did you have surrounding that? Uh, it was. How could I describe it? It was quite, it was very difficult to be honest. He kind of just was very blunt and said, look, we didn't get clear margins and I recommend that you have a mastectomy. And then almost immediately um, after he described what happened with the mastectomy, went on to um, say, and this, I think you, you can have reconstruction. Uh, I think you will be a good candidate for the Dieppe flap reconstruction. So, my colleague will show you some uh, before and after photos of women who have gone through that. Um, and then you can go off and see the plastic surgeon and he will um, talk you through how that works. Uh-huh. Um, I think it would, uh, yes, it was going to have to be a delayed reconstruction because at that point they still thought I was going to be having radiotherapy. And so right. they wanted me to wait for a year after the end of my radiotherapy. Okay. And I found, I, I think I was very, very shocked at that point at the thought of having a mastectomy. Uh, and then when I started to be shown these photos of women who'd had a mastectomy and how they looked before that and, and after their reconstruction, I really couldn't take it in. Yes. And I really didn't, I, I hadn't known anybody that had had breast cancer before or had had a mastectomy and so I had no idea about the different options or different surgeries that were possible so I kind of just said okay well if that's what you're recommending me Mm. fine that's 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 what I'll go with Um, I didn't really like the sound of the eight-hour surgery as as he described it to me um, because I absolutely hate operations okay don't blame you most people do (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I thought okay if this is what my surgeon's telling me, then I think that's probably what uh, I will have to so do. So you were recommended to have a delay, to have mastectomy and a delayed reconstruction. Yes. And the option yeah. of reconstruction that was, was recommended to you was a Dieppe reconstruction. That's right. Yeah. So just for those who don't know what a Dieppe reconstruction is, it's basically using the the fat and the skin of the abdomen. So Dieppe stands for deep inferior epigastric perforator, which is essentially the blood supply that supplies the bulk of the fat and skin that you can grab essentially on your tummy. And what happened is that 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 gets detached from your person and then reattached and replumbed, if you like, 
uh, onto the chest wall to make to make a breast. So as you as you rightly said, you know, it's a very long operation, takes about anywhere between six to eight hours. So it's not it's not an operation to take lightly. So you went ahead and ha- had the mastectomy. Well, I thought I started to think it all through. Actually, I went home um, and started feeling a little bit uh, uncertain about whether I wanted to go through with the reconstruction. I did go to see a plastic surgeon who kind of talked me through how it would work, but I was feeling really unsure about having it. Right, and I knew that I didn't have to have the re- I wouldn't have the reconstruction straight at the same time as the mastectomy. So I had some time, but I, I did start googling and sort of say you know I looked for you know do does every woman who has a mastectomy have reconstruction and actually I found out that no that doesn't happen and so I started doing a bit more research and looking into it and I start over time over over a few days I suppose I started thinking that actually I don't think I want to do that mm-hmm. at all you know even after I even after a year or, or whatever so um I I actually found a really good Facebook group called Flat Friends, which um, helped me to, you know, I could interact with some of the women on there and help me to make my mind up and um, find out what it had been like for them to be flat. So I actually decided that I wouldn't have reconstruction at all. And before I had my mastectomy, I asked to go and see my surgeon again. And I wanted to ask him if he would do a bilateral mastectomy um because what i haven't mentioned is i i did have very large breasts i was a 34 double g okay. cup so it'd be quite lopsided if you had a mastectomy yeah. um just on one side that was that yeah. was the worry okay it was the worry yeah and obviously he said no yes uh well not obviously but he did say no um he said let's let's do the do the mastectomy to, and, and and get rid of the cancer and then let's you know we can maybe maybe talk about it uh, after that. So that's that's where we were, and and I had the mastectomy, and yeah, it was traumatic. <laughs> so you you essentially made up your mind that you didn't want to have a reconstruction before you had the mastectomy. You yeah, didn't need did. that time to to consider your options. No, I didn't. In the end, I felt quite strongly that I I didn't want to have. And uh, um, for me, what's uh, in the end seemed to be an unnecessary operation. Yeah. Um, and in fact, possibly more than one operation, you know, and possibly some, some surgery on my other breast as well. I, and, and I think at the time that was what was driving my decision was I wanted to have as few procedures as possible. Yes. And that, that to be honest, that's not an unusual motivation. Lots of women who I, who I, um, who I see. Oh, is that Stanley or is that That's that Stanley, Stanley again? again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of women who I see, they do opt for the simplest of surgeries for many reasons, you know, to, to be able to get on with their lives, to not mm. to want to go back to hospital if they have any potential complications or wound healing problems and such like, which of course with reconstruction, there's always a possibility because yeah. the, the more complex an operation, the, the riskier it can be. So when you... You decided to have your mastectomy without reconstruction. Obviously, you needed the mastectomy, so you had yeah. that done. How did you feel when you woke up the next day and realized mm-hmm. that you didn't have one one of your breasts? Yeah, for me, it was incredibly traumatic, actually. Um, strangely so, because as I said, I had very large breasts and um, I didn't really like them that much because I'm quite a small person i'm about i'm five foot two so they always seem to be quite big for me but when i woke up yeah i was 
I was really upset. Uh, I just couldn't, I found it very hard to come to terms with the loss of my breast. Um, and I suppose it was, I couldn't, I don't, didn't feel like I could look at it at my chest the first day, certainly. Um, but I did have to stay in hospital for two nights. And the second day I did look at it. And I think the thought of what I was going to see was worse than actually what I did right. see. So, yeah, it, it was okay. And, you know, when I got home and I was in my own space, uh, I felt more comfortable at, you know, trying to come to terms with it and, uh, and looking at it more often. Really. You were shown pictures before the surgery. Did, did that help at all? I don't think I really saw them properly. Um, it was at that, uh, at the uh, appointment where I, uh, was told I had to have the mastectomy. And I think at that point, I wasn't really seeing them. And I think what I was focusing on, in, rather than seeing somebody without a breast, I was focusing more on the pictures of the post-reconstruction. Right. So when they did have a, a breast shape uh, again. Um, I had seen photos of women without breasts when I looked, trying to make my decision about reconstruction. And actually, yeah, they looked... To me, they looked absolutely fine. Um, but then when it was my own body, it was, it seemed a lot worse. Yeah, yeah it, I guess it's, it's a different experience, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And how did you recover from your surgery? Yeah, the recovery was pretty good, actually. Um, I had a small scar opened slightly underneath my arm and I had a small infection there but that would that healed pretty well in the end um, I had a little bit of cording at one point again that was I got I got seen by a physiotherapist pretty quickly um, and and that was sorted out I didn't have a seroma which I was really okay. happy about did you have a drain um, or I did have a drain yep I had a I had a drain for about four days I suppose okay so you went home with the drain um, I did go home with okay. the drain yeah and so, yes, I didn't get a seroma, which I was really happy yeah, that's about. Good. And I got pretty good um, arm movement back, you know, reasonably quickly. I was quite good at doing my exercises because, I, I, you know, I wanted to get back to, to, to my everyday life again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, yeah, I was happy with how I recovered. Um, I, I suppose I was slightly shocked, not shocked. I was slightly surprised at the, my scar. I mean, it's really good scar. It's, it's very, very flat mostly, but I do have a quite a few bit of excess skin under my arms. Um, and I also had quite a big dog ear in the middle of my chest, uh, which I went back and had a bit and had revision on Okay, just under a general anesthetic. Uh, sorry, a local anesthetic. So the scar is pretty, scar's good. pretty good. Just for those who don't know what a dog ear is, it's not literally, you know, <laughs> Stanley's ear yeah, no. <laughs> in the middle of your chest. <laughs> so a dog ear, um, I don't know whether that's a, a UK British term. I'm yeah. not sure whether it's a worldwide term, but in the UK, any kind of excess skin along the scar, we call it this term called a dog ear. So that is what a dog ear yeah. is. So it's kind of an excess <laughs> bit of skin. It's not an unusual thing to get along a mastectomy scar. And it usually is either a middle part of the scar or the other end of the scar. But yours was in the middle part, was it? I had one in the middle part and I have got a scar some under my arm oh, yeah. but uh they're fine you know and i and i don't i don't they don't worry me now okay. it, i just thought it was i thought it was swelling and it would go away but it, it hasn't. hasn't so but that that's they're fine okay. i don't i don't mind that. do you have any sensation at all on the chest wall 
a little bit, actually. It has come back. Okay, that's yeah, it has come back a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I do warn my patients that you will be numb around the terror. And it's usually forever, but sometimes you mm-hmm. do get a bit of feeling back. Mm-hmm. So you did. So that's really good. So, so it's good to know that you recovered from that main surgery, which was the mastectomy for the cancer. Did you get any other treatment after that? Yes. So after my mastectomy, I had chemotherapy. I had four sessions and I had um, uh, ta- uh, doxotaxel and cyclophosphamide. Uh-huh. Have I said that That's right? right? Yeah. Cyclophosphamide, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I had four sessions of that rather than the FECT. Yeah, that was really, really hard. I have to say it was tough. Um, yeah, I lost all my hair um, pretty quickly and that's all the hair of my body. Uh, I just found it... Uh, very as as each session went on I just got very tired quite depressed quite low put on a lot of weight because I you know you have to do those injections don't yeah. you and the steroids mm. so I did find that difficult I think I was lucky in that I only had the four sessions so it went on for 12 weeks and then I had the Herceptin as well right I had injections um, subcutaneous injections and that started with the chemotherapy and then carried on for a year, yeah. every three weeks. Right. And I, that was fine. I had no side effects from okay. that. Okay. And you're on um, tablets? I'm not actually, no. Okay. I was. I tried, um, what do you call it? Uh, An- anastazole. Yeah. Yeah, because I was postmenopausal. Yeah. But the side effects, I really, really couldn't cope with those. Right. Um, just I got really stiff legs and pains and aches. Yeah. So I did try, again, tried tamoxifen. And for me, having a second menopause was not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I mean, so my estrogen um, status of the tumour was four out of eight. Okay. So in conversation with my oncologist, I have decided not to take any hormone treatment. And he, he, we talked about the benefits versus quality of life. And we, you know, I think he was happy with my decision not not to carry on with it. So you lived with one one flat chest, I guess, one side flat, one side, yeah, for eighteen months, yeah. And then what? And then what happened then? And then what happened? I, I, well, every time I saw my surgeon, I um, asked him whether he would remove the second breast um, because I wanted to be symmetrical. And that was that was all it was. Um, uh, they both my oncologist and my surgeon have always been very clear with me about my prognosis, yes. which is ex- excellent. Luckily for me, you know, I, I they don't expect to see me again, although I'm aware it can happen. And I just wanted to be symmetrical because I had to wear a bra every day because my remaining breast was so large, um, and I had to have a really big prosthesis on the other side mm. uh, and for me I just I just didn't enjoy it it was really difficult um, just wearing that prosthesis yeah, every day yeah. uh, I couldn't find a bra with a large enough pocket to fit it in you know it always poked over the top and and then when I looked in the mirror every day I, it it just uh, I grew to dislike that breast more and to like the flat side more so i you know i was starting to feel a bit of body dysmorphia i guess and so eventually my surgeon said yes he he would he would do it for me for for symmetry um that happened in november 2017 so 
two two years and a bit ago now. How was your experience with that surgery? <laughs> that was uh, that was even better actually. Right. Um, so w- when I woke up, I felt quite a lot of relief this time. I immediately felt that my body was. I felt a lot happier with my body th- that time, and uh, the you know the surgery was more. Uh, simple because uh, the first time I'd had, you know, the sentinel node biopsy. Yeah. So there was no, I had no um, surgery in my armpit this time. And yeah, recovered again very well. There were no complications with the, the scar this time. Okay. And no, and I had a, I had the drain again and no seromas or, or anything like that. So do you think psychologically, second time round, you were better prepared or, you know, you recovered mentally, you recovered better? I think I did. I think. For a couple of reasons. Firstly, as you say, I was um, better mentally prepared. I knew what was going to happen and I knew that I could cope with it because I'd, I'd done it once before. But also I think I, instead of me dreading the operation and not wanting it, I think this time I really wanted yes. it. Um, even though I didn't want to have another operation, I knew that I I really did want to have that procedure. Uh, and so, you know, once I had gone in, had had it done and woken up i i felt i, I just felt i mentally i just felt lifted I really think. yeah yeah so that's a very different feeling which you described earlier when you woke up the first time around yeah. Yeah. this time around you actually felt happier in yourself yeah yeah and it's a strange very strange journey that i've kind of find myself that i've gone on because from not wanting to lose one breast i decided and wanted to lose the other one um, and felt good about it, I suppose, which, yeah, sounds odd, but it, it, you know, it was how I wanted to, wanted to go forward. Yes. And I think for you, certainly, you know, because of you're generously breasted to begin with, to be very lopsided can be quite debilitating in just doing daily activities, can't it? So symmetrizing surgery, I think is absolutely a reasonable request, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, it was definitely good for me. And um, obviously, for somebody listening in, and they, they they might think, well, as a woman without breast, would one not feel that you know perhaps they may lose their femininity or their identity as a woman? What are your thoughts about that? How do you feel? It has impacted uh, you, if if at all. Yeah, uh, I don't feel it has impacted me. I still feel that I. I still feel feminine. I still feel like a woman. I, you know, if I go out, I can make myself look, I can wear whatever I want, actually, you know, um, whereas before I couldn't. But I don't think it has had an effect on me in that way. I feel more confident, actually, uh, in myself and as a woman because I set out to, uh, I suppose, to be assertive in what I wanted, uh, which wasn't something that, really came naturally to me and so from that point of view it's made me more confident and sort of empowered yes somewhat a little bit and I think that's kind of helped me in my whole character actually and sort of how I live live my life at the moment as as a woman you know I don't I don't see myself any less as a woman because I don't have breasts do you think your surgery has actually changed you in a more positive way how would you compare yourself before and after has that has that changed at all? Yeah, I think definitely it has. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like to think that by making the decision that I have that I made 
it's helped me to turn the negative um, of breast cancer and all that that can mean into a positive, um, into positive things for me because I definitely do a lot more. I just, I just live my life a bit more really right. now. I mean, I do. I've done so many things that I certainly would not have done before I had cancer. It has empowered you to be more positive about certain things. And definitely, I guess this leads us to uh, a project that you were involved with recently, the hashtag show us, I think, collaboration. Yeah. Could you tell us yeah. a bit about that and the reason yeah. why you wanted to get involved in the first place? Yeah, definitely. Um, so if I just go back a little bit, after I had my second mastectomy, I wanted to have some photos taken of my new body, um, topless. So um, a good friend of mine is a photographer and she said that she'd love to come and take some photos. So we did that and I really loved, I loved the images. I thought they were really strong and sort of beautiful and, and everything. So I decided that I wanted to try and um, get them out there so that there's more to increase the, vis the visibility of women living without breasts. I started a blog and um, published these photos. Right. And um, they went, you know, it was, I had very good response and, and really positive. And I also talked about, you know, that how I felt that women should be given all of the options when faced with mastectomy, something that didn't happen with me because my medical team didn't actually ever say to me, well, you know, you can stay flat if you want to. So um, I, t I did that blog. I then did another photo shoot for another project called Behind the Scars. Right. And the photographer that took those photos was asked to participate in um, this project called Hashtag Show Us, which is a joint venture between Dove, Getty Images, and an American organization called Girl Gaze. And the idea behind it was to create a uh, photo bank, basically, um, in Getty Images of real women. And that's all different types of women so you know different colors different sizes different nationalities right. different body shapes um you know different abilities and disabilities just real essentially real women in the real, real world women. all real yeah. women yeah um the idea being and they were for stock images so that um, advertisers and media could use them you know instead of always going with the you know the, the predictable stock images exactly yeah. exactly um And the, the, one of the strap lines is um, show us more women who look like me. Right. Uh, so for me to be part of that was perfect because one of my one of the things I want to do is to increase rep representation of women who are living flat so that the images are seen, you know, in mainstream media. And, you know, you can't be what you can't see. Basically, that's that's one of the other ones. And, you know, that my flat image <laughs> turned up on a billboard in Times Square in New York. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that was quite, quite surreal. <laughs> yeah, that must have been a, a bit weird, but amazing at the same time. <laughs> yes, both of those emotions. <laughs> uh, and then also at Piccadilly Circus um, in oh, London. Fantastic. It was up on there on their big, you know, electronic billboard and various other places through the world, actually. And I think, I mean, I don't know the, re I don't know the reaction. I don't know how many you know, people saw it or anything. But I do, for me, it was incredibly empowering to see myself up there. Yeah. And I know that talking to members of the flat community, both on both sides of the Atlantic, I, I know that women have been really happy to, to see someone that looks like them, uh, you know, up there, up, on, up, up in lights. <laughs> yeah. Because so, these yeah. are images that we don't see. No, not really. Uh, it's getting more. It's getting more. There are a lot more flat advocates, um, 
both here and in America. And there are definitely women who are working hard to try and increase the visibility, uh, which is great. That's great. You know, and you still have to search for them. But I, I think I think it is it. it they are becoming more visible. No, that's brilliant. And when you saw your photos up there, how yes. did that make you feel? <laughs> oh, wow. It was, uh, it was incredible. I, it made me feel amazing, actually. It made me feel that I had achieved something that I'd set out to achieve. You know, I really wanted to, to get, get those photos out there of me and hopefully to inspire, you know, either women who are, facing that choice themselves or who have, who hopefully won't get breast cancer. But if they do, maybe they, maybe they can say, well, you know, I saw that, that woman up there, she had no breasts and, and it was fine. fine. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe I can think about that. I don't, I'm certainly not against reconstruction yes. at all, but maybe I can think, well, I don't, if I don't want to have reconstruction, that that's absolutely fine. And that's a positive choice. And I'm assuming that, you know, what has happened with these images out there and you participating, advocating positively for women going flat, has that helped you move forward? Yeah, I think it, I think it has. Um, I, I feel really happy with the, my body the way that it is now. And, you know, whilst I, I'll never... I'll never move away from the fact that I've had breast cancer. Um, it's definitely helped me to, as I said before, to, you know, turn that negative into something positive for me because, um, you know, I never thought I'd ever do any <laughs> photo shoots or, or podcast or, yeah. you know, I've been, I've done a few media interviews. I've, I've been on, I went on the ITV news wow. live um, and I've done radio shows and, you know, these are all things that are, have given me so much confidence and probably is the new me, you know, mm. I try to find ways that I can do more of it. Uh, and it's just, yeah, this is my new body. And this is, and it's uh, my, the whole, my, I think my whole me is new yes, uh, and different and a more confident version of who I used to be. That's an amazingly positive message for those listening out there. Because, you know, there are people who may have been in your position or are in your position where you were all those years ago, thinking about whether I should go for reconstruction or whether I should go flat. And I'm sorry to hear that you, you were not given the option to go flat because that really should always be an option. Um, if yeah. you do not want reconstruction, you don't have to have it. You know, you can no. always go flat and it's, it's, it's a choice. And I think mm -hmm. what you're doing to increase that awareness to make people realize that actually going flat is, is okay. It is a choice. And if I don't want to go down the route of reconstruction, then I can choose not to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I felt so passionately about that, that, you know, the choice element of mm. it and, and, and the having all the options that, at the, you know, that was one of the factors that really inspired me to, to get put myself out there because sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable, actually, uh, and, and quite vulnerable to bear myself. Yes. Um, um, but um, I know that it has helped loads of loads of women um, who are in who have been or who are in the situation that I was mm. in um, and not just me, all the other women that are doing it as well. Uh, and doing it in different ways. You know, not everybody has to take their clothes off and have photos of themselves. Um, there are different ways to do it. But I think, yeah, I, I just felt very passionately about it and, you know, disappointed that I had to fight so hard to get what I wanted. 
you know, do you have uh, a message for women out there who might be listening to this podcast who are in two minds about what to do? Um, could you give them any advice? Yes. I mean, every, everyone's very different, aren't they? And, and everyone makes makes their own decisions in different ways. But I think the main advice is to find out as much as possible about all of the options that are available. You know, I know some women are uh, can, ha- can have different options for reconstruction. Um, so find out all about those. Also, see what you can find out about what it's like to live flat, how it, what it looks like as well. So talk to people if you have anybody to talk to. Um, there are charities as well if you, if you don't know anybody that you can talk to, you know, who will give you information and advice and maybe be able to point you in the right direction of women who have had who've gone down these all the all the different routes that there are uh, but if you can take your time i know that's not always possible because you know some women have to make very quick decisions but yeah if you can take time then do that and and, and research really and find out all the information you can well thank you so much Juliet, for coming onto the podcast if people want to find you where can they go Okay, so my blog is uh, www.bloomingcancer.co.uk. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Juliet Fitzy. No, I'm not, sorry. I'm on on Instagram at Juliet KFP. Okay. And I'm on Twitter, which is at Juliet Fitzy. And um, I will leave all of, all of those um, links okay. in the show notes okay. as well so um, people can check you out. And the Facebook group that you mentioned was? Yeah. Okay. The Facebook group is called Flat Friends. And it's a really amazing uh, support group uh, for women who either have one breast or no breasts. Uh, it's a closed group. In fact, it's a secret group. So you have to ask to join. But if you Google flat friends, you will, uh, you will find the website and the, and the Facebook group. And then you can ask, ask to join that. Uh, and, and I found that incredibly important and useful to me. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Julia, for coming onto the show. I really appreciate your time. Oh, that's great. It's been really good to talk to you. Thank you. What a fantastic conversation that was. Thank you so much once again to Juliette for taking the time and sharing her story with us. Do connect with Juliette on social media. You can find her on Instagram at JulietKFP and on Twitter at JulietFitzy. And you can also find her blog at www.bloomingcancer.co.uk. I will leave all of these links in the show notes at mybreastmyhealth.com forward slash episode 15. So that's episode 15. If you have found these podcast episodes useful, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And what this does, it actually makes the show more discoverable to people and hopefully help others. Thank you so much once again for listening. Please stay safe and I'll catch up with you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.